morning, Keystone Church. How we doing this morning? Yeah, thank you, Randy, for that intro. Uh, yes, my name is Matt Mabry. I'm the church planning candidate here, and we're going to go plan a church to only God knows where at this point, okay? So um, as soon as I know, as soon as we know as a staff, you will find out. But hey, I'm excited this morning to get to be up here continuing our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you got your Bible, your phone, go ahead and flip open to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Um, look, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, being, being a, uh, from Texas, from Central Texas, the Cowboys are my team. Um, they're America's team as well. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but they are America's team, and it's because God can watch them play when the, when the roof's open um, at the stadium, okay? So, but as a Cowboys fan, it, it really pains me to see the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and I may, amen. If nothing else is true this morning, that was true. But I may be disowned by my family when they know that I'm actually kind of pulling for, well, Brock Purdy, all right? I'm pulling for Brock Purdy. 49ers are secondary. Um, so anyway, man, what a, what a great game tonight's gonna be. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for making it this morning to worship as we continue in this sermon series. And so just like Randy said, we're gonna be talking about God in possessions this morning. Um, and, and just kind of to, to, to set up where we're gonna be headed, the last few weeks we've been talking about in chapter six, uh, things that we call spiritual disciplines. Last week, Matt, Pastor Matt talked about how to fast. What is fasting? Why do we do it? What does that look like? Previous week, we talked about prayer. Um, before that, we talked about giving. And so we, we've been discussing really these kind of private matters, these, these personal matters, this relationship upward between you and God in the sense of these, these disciplines of the faith. And this week, we're stepping more into a position of your interaction with the world around you. How do we live out our faith? How do we apply our faith? Which really has been um, a focus point of of the Sermon on the Mount, a kingdom focus while we are on this earth. But we step out of these spiritual disciplines and into really this more reactive uh, sense of how do I live as a disciple of Jesus Christ? How do I center a lifestyle around God and his kingdom? And so this week we're gonna step into specifically God and possessions. And, and this morning, you're gonna see there's three metaphors that Jesus gives us in these few verses, and each metaphor has two options. And as you'll notice, there is one specific option that is better than the other. I love the way Jesus teaches this and walks through it, and he makes it, he really kind of makes it simple of like, hey, here's two options. Um, you know which one's best, okay? But yet, although we know which one is best, we are sinful humans with ulterior motives and wrong motives living in a broken world that is pushing us a different position, they're, they're the world that wants us to be materialistic, a world that wants us to, to have false and fake idols in our lives. And so he says, here's what's best. And so this morning we're gonna talk about, man, what is it that God's calling us to? What is best in a world um, where we are just so covered up with possessions and, and yet we're called to be kingdom focused and focusing on the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is gonna help us navigate this world of selfish ambition and materialism. So let's look at Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 19. We're gonna read through verse 24 this morning. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word uh, this morning as we study 
Um, God, what you have to say in these, in these verses, I pray that you would just speak through your word. God, speak through me. Um, Lord, help us to, to be challenged by what you have to say. Help us to be convicted and encouraged, God, by your word. And I pray as we leave here, we can have a better understanding of your expectation of what we're supposed to do with these possessions you've so graciously given us. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so hopefully you saw the three metaphors there. We got, we've got treasures, uh, we've got the eyes, the lamp, and we've got masters. Okay, we're gonna walk through those not to get too far ahead. But he gives us these three metaphors in this passage to teach us the importance of faithful commitment to our heavenly Father and his cause, his kingdom cause, okay? So he gives us these three metaphors. And, and, and a great theologian named D.A. Carson, he says this about the passage. I think it's on the screen. He says, followers of Jesus, they comprehend that all of life is to be lived and all its attitudes are to be formed according to the perspectives of the kingdom. So let me read that one more time. As followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus, we're to comprehend that all of life is to be lived and all of our attitudes are to be formed according to the perspectives of the kingdom of God. And so I think it's a great summary. We could probably pack up and go home from here, but there's just some application we need to work through. But that's a great charge of what this passage is teaching us is look, we live on a temporary Earth. We live in a temporary moment where we have all these possessions and God is calling us as his followers to think eternally, to think big picture, not just here, but man, there is more to come. All right, so we live on, we, we, our, our life scripture tells us is just a mist, just a fog. I mean, it is like that compared to what eternity is going to be like. And yet Jesus knows, man, our God knows how much we're gonna struggle in this little bit of life to be focused on the here and now when yet there's so much more to come. And so he's gonna help us work to that and work through that. So this morning, we're gonna look at three challenges that Jesus gives us to think about and that we can apply as we live for God and his kingdom in the now, because it's coming. His kingdom will come. We will get to achieve and step into heaven as a result of our relationship in Jesus Christ. We will experience that. And so the first challenge this morning, church, is this, that, that what you and I value is gonna determine our vision. Okay, what you and I value is going to determine our vision. Look at verse 19 through 21. We're gonna read it again. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So church, what we value determines our vision. Jesus says right up there in verse 19, don't do this. I, love, I just kind of love the simple language. Don't do this, but do this. All right, so verse 19, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. I mean, that's a, that's a charge, that's a command. That's, a, that's like a, hey, stop. Don't do this anymore. Quit storing up for yourselves treasures on this earth. And he goes on to give us really some great reasons as to why. Like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, number one, moths. Man, they, they come in and destroy. Um, I don't think they had mothballs back in the day. Um, but you can know when you walk into a closet and there's some mothballs in there, right? You, you, you smell that. Man, moths destroy. Um, rust, rust destroys valuables, precious metals, things that we enjoy. Um, I'll never forget growing up, I had a bicycle and it just rusted and fell apart because I left it out in the rain. Um, you know, one of those things where I told my parents, I'll ride this if you buy it for me. I rode it like three weeks and then I, never again. Um, it was destroyed by rust. And then if, if the elements don't destroy it, if, if the wildlife and creatures don't destroy it, then um, someone will come in and steal it. Thieves, robbers will come in and, 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 and take it from you. I mean, we could even go a step further. If, um, if, if those things don't happen, then the economy's gonna go bad. If that doesn't happen, the market's gonna be unhealthy. If that doesn't happen, there's gonna be wars. There's gonna be inflation. And the list can go on and on and on. And what Jesus reminds us of is this, that 
We may try to pile up possessions on this earth and treasures on this earth. And he says, don't. Stop doing it. Whatever your aim, quit. Because it will be destroyed. It will be taken from you. We, my family had an experience this week um, where things were destroyed. My, my in-laws, they built a new house over the past year. And as they were going to their storage units to, to get stuff out and take it into the new home, one of their units they walked up to, opened the door, and instantly realized that everything in the storage unit is ruined because there was rats the size of cats hanging out at it, and it had flooded. And so they lost everything in that storage unit. And some of it was like, you know, just kind of rem- rem- stuff that, that reminds them of the past, healthy things, cool things. You know, I don't think they had any of those beanie babies in there, so that, that, that treasure's still safe. Um, just hang on to those one day, people, one day, all right? Uh, but everything else was completely ruined. And thankfully, my, my in-laws are godly people. That wasn't where their treasure was at. But it's still just the reality of the, of the truth that, man, anything like that can happen. Your home can burn, your home can flood. And you look up and your, your bank account is empty and Jesus says, stop storing up for yourselves treasures on this earth. So he tells us that. So, so what are we supposed to do? Well, he goes on to say, so instead of storing up for yourself treasures on earth, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And here's why, because moth can't come in there and destroy it. Rust can't creep in and destroy it. There are no thieves and robbery in heaven, praise God. Like he says, quit storing up for yourself here because in heaven, things last forever, including your soul including you and I. Man, things last forever. There is an eternity coming where things last forever. How foolish would we to be investing only in the here and now? Some of you invest in the stock market, you understand this, you only try to make good, wise investments. No one intentionally makes a bad investment. You try to make smart, wise investments and Jesus says, look, I'm giving you the best investment. Invest in eternity, it will last. Eternity will grow because of the way that we invest. He's calling us to leverage our possessions for eternity, yet a common problem is this, that all too often we are possessed by our possessions. And Jesus says, stop. Don't do that. Do this instead. Leverage your possessions for eternity. And we gotta realize, and Jesus knows this about us, that living for eternity requires a sense of vision, right? It requires a sense of, of looking ahead and, and seeing the future and thinking ahead and planning ahead. And yet sometimes we get so focused on the here and now that we don't even realize that we're storing up for this life, which will, man, if it doesn't get destroyed, if it doesn't get, get, get stolen, um, you leave it behind. Because when you die, everything you established here stays here and, and you move on. And so we've been stockpiling for what? Well, there's really two things, for earth or for eternity. And so the Sermon on the Mount is showing us and moving forward that we've gotta have an attitude and a perspective that is kingdom focused. John Stott, a theologian, he says this. This is how he defines treasures in heaven. He says, treasures of heaven are anything on earth to do anything on earth whose effects last for eternity. To do anything on earth whose effects last for eternity. I love that definition because to me, it's, man, any, anything I do um, in terms of service for the kingdom of God lasts for eternity. Any amount of money and resources that I give for the kingdom of God lasts for eternity. It, it outlives my time on this earth and makes a difference for the kingdom of God. And how good of a God is he that he allows us to take part in that? Like that's what part of studying this just kind of blows my mind, like God, you desire to use me for something bigger than myself, and I think we could all agree that's something we wanna be a part of. 
I wanna leave a legacy greater than myself and not just an earthly legacy, but an eternal legacy with the way that I steward and manage the things that God has allowed me to have and possess on this earth. But yet all too often we get possessed by the things that we are called to steward. So Jesus says, don't do this, do this. But real quick, I kinda wanna take a, a sidestep a little bit and, and, and talk through what Jesus isn't saying, okay? Because sometimes as we talk about money, um, we can, there can be guilt and there can be shame um, or you, there can be disgust. Like I came to church today and here's this guy uh, talking about money again. Look, um, here's, a, here's the reality and the truth about money. While we're having an equip, our Randy is talking about money and gonna teach on that the next couple of weeks is this, that money is, is the topic. Um, look, money is talked about more times than love and hope combined in scripture. Over 2,000 times money is discussed in scripture. I think it's something like 25% of the New Testament is money. And so whenever we get upset, like, oh, we're we gonna talk about money again, or why are we always talking about money? That may be a hard issue within yourself because our God talks about money so much because he understands the impact and the influence that it has on us on our time here on earth. He wants us to get this right. He cares about you enough that he wants us to get this right. So in his grace and goodness, he says, look, here's what we should value. And that is a relationship with him and eternal treasure. So here's what he's not saying, okay? Jesus is not saying this, that savings are a bad thing, okay? Him and Dave Ramsey would go head to head on that, all right? So like <laughs> savings are a good thing. All right, Dave's a godly man. We know that to have a savings account, to have money set aside, to save up for the future, that is not bad, okay? Jesus isn't saying live foolishly. Savings are okay. Having a plan is godly, okay? Proverbs is very clear that to have vision and clarity about where you wanna go moving forward is a godly thing, right? Without vision, people perish. So it's good to have a plan moving forward, but you have to ask the question, is this, is this an eternal mindset or did I, did I structure this future plan, um, man, for selfish gain? What Jesus is not saying is that money is bad, okay? Money is not bad. Really, the reality is money is neutral. What we do with it determines whether it's a good or a bad thing. Proverbs is so clear several times that, that, that saving and that planning ahead are, are, are signs of wisdom. Jesus is not saying we can't enjoy the things that God has created us now. All right, God's created a whole world of great things, and we should enjoy his creation. We should enjoy the things that God's created. He's not saying you can't have anything. He's not saying you shouldn't have any possessions at all because we know that some possessions make life easier, right? Some possessions make us able to do life uh, the right way and give us freedom and help us to be healthy and productive. What he is saying is that it's the covetous and materialistic heart, that's the issue. It's a selfish heart, that's the issue. When you leverage what you have just to get more stuff, that's the problem because it's just going to be taken away from you. Money's not evil. Okay, real quick, I, I wanna read this verse. First Timothy, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap in many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Look, Paul says there in verse 10, the love, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's very similar to what Jesus says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your love, if your treasure 
is possessions and stuff and money and a bigger and bigger bank account and nicer cars and, and whatever it may be. You know what your treasure is. You know what you think about. You know what you long for. If that's where your treasure is, Jesus says, look, that's where your heart is going to be also. So church, don't hear us saying that money is bad. I mean, money is such a great thing. God wants, God can use money to change eternity. He can use that to leverage and change lives and reach people and reach the nations. Um, he can use your resources to have an impact on eternity. That's how good and powerful our God is. So what are some treasures in our lives? Well, I was researching some stuff and I've got one interesting stat for you. Um, this one was shocking to me. Uh, the average American spends about $92 on coffee every month. Some of you are like, that's it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there may be your treasure. No, I'm kidding. Look, that's wild to me, 92 bucks on coffee. I think I spend like $10 on a bucket of Folgers every month, okay? Um, and some of you are like, that's trash coffee. You may be right, all right? I, that's all I know. Um, $92 on coffee every month, that blows my mind. That's just one stat. But think about that, okay? So you can go to your, you can go to your bank statement and see you're at Starbucks, Starbucks, well, that's a lot of Starbucks in a row. Okay, oh, okay. Um, like, we can spend a lot on things without even thinking, but y'all, that's just average too. Like, that's, that means somebody's spending more than that a month. And if that's you, no judgment here, maybe a little bit, I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> so treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we treasure matters because as Jesus clearly states here, it's where our heart is at, right? Like, if this is your treasure, your heart belongs to it. Who you are belongs to that. And the word heart here, uh, the, the, the Greek term used for heart would have been cardia, all right? And that is the center, the center and the seat of your spiritual life, all right? So essentially it's, it's the fountain, the seat of your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your affections, the purpose for which you are here is your heart. And so if you treasure something, it's going to have your purpose, it's gonna have your endeavors, it's gonna have your desires, it's gonna have your appetites, it's gonna have your affections, it's going to have you. And so when Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also, essentially what he's saying is, what you long for and desire is a pretty good reflection of what you're aiming for, of where you're gonna be headed, of what you worship. So if your treasure controls your heart, then it has the controls of your inner being, your desires, your affections, and it drives your purposes and your motives. It drives everything that you do. It even drives the reason that you come to church. It may drive the way that you worship God or don't worship God. It may drive everything that you do because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so what we have to do is we have to step, take a step back and allow God to establish our treasures, our values, our possessions. And one practical way, church, that I think we can do this, and it may take some time, um, you may have to do it after the Super Bowl, whatever, is I think one practical way that we can check our heart and say, man, where, what has my heart? Because we all wanna say, well, God, I mean, God, naturally, right? I'm saying, God, I'm at church, God, our, our, he is my treasure. But I think there's a few things that we can do to, to look and reflect on, okay, well, what, what does my lifestyle say? And so I wanna challenge you, church, to audit your lifestyle. Look, we, we go to the doctor for a yearly checkup. When was the last time that we did a checkup on our lifestyle to see what we truly treasure and value? And this could just be simple as grab, we were joking around the office, grab your checkbook. Most of you don't even have a checkbook anymore. Uh, my generation, quit carrying those. Grab your bank statement. Look it on your phone, print it off if you need to, on paper. Um, 
and see where is my money going. You may realize that you're one of those $92 a month people on caffeine. God bless you. Um, where's your time being spent? Pull out your, your bank statement and then pull out your, your calendar. Where are you spending your time? How are you leveraging your time for the kingdom of God or are you? How are you leveraging your financial possessions and resources for the kingdom of God or are you? You can ask people, man, what would your kids say? Kids are very honest. I've got a five-year-old son. He gets me sometimes, all right? Um, your kids are honest. Your adult children, I, I'm an adult child uh, to my parents and I like to be honest with them about some things. Uh, man, people will be honest. Ask your friends, what would your coworkers say? What does your family say? about what you truly treasure. This can reveal some things that might sting a little bit, but church, we got this much time. Leverage the things that you've been given for the kingdom of God. The second metaphor Jesus talks about here is, is the eyes and the light. Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness. Point number two is this, church, that your gaze influences your spiritual health. Your gaze is going to influence your spiritual health. The things that we look at, the things that we focus upon, that we stare at, that we, we lean into is going to influence our spiritual health. The term there, um, if your eye is healthy, that term there, healthy, in the Greek, it means that, it means good, it means healthy, some of your versions say that, but it also means this idea of like, man, it, it is singular focus, it's not, it, it's whole, it's single, it's not double vision, it's a healthy vision focused on the right thing at the right time, all the time. You have clear vision, able to see things for what they truly are. When your eye is healthy, you see right, you don't see double, you see singular, you don't see near, you don't see far, you just see, man, 20-20. And Jesus tells us that when the eye is healthy, your whole body can be healthy. The eye is the lamp of the body, meaning that if my eyes are, are bright and turned on and, and, and shining light, then, then my life, my body will be light and life-giving. And what I gaze upon is gonna determine the health of my body. And so good eyes equal healthy body. Bad eyes equal healthy bo uh, an unhealthy body. Good eyes, health. Bad eyes, sickness. I had a, a dog growing up. Um, we lived on a farm. We had a lot of animals just dropped off because we lived out in the country. But I, I, uh, my, my, my dog showed up the week my baby sister was born, okay? So there's a lot going on in my life as a five-year-old boy, and this pup shows up. And um, living on the farm when dogs and animals just show up, uh, the, the, the lifespan on the farm's kind of short depending on if they chase the cows, chase the kid, chickens, bite the kids, whatever it may be, um, we may have to find them a new home. But my dog showed up. We don't even, we didn't even name our pets for a couple weeks, okay? Because uh, you just didn't know. Um, but he shows up. He's a red heather cross, a.k.a. a mutt. And um, when, where, where I grew up, we got really creative with the names. So um, he was a red healer, so we named him Red. And uh, <laughs> Red was my dog. Look, y'all, it gets even better. We had a cat. Um, she was a calico cat. Her name was Calico. Um, <laughs> We had a gray cat that had kittens in the fire, uh, the firewood. We named her Gray. Um, and uh, yeah, so you just didn't know how long they were gonna hang around, so you didn't work too hard to name them. My granddad had a blue heather. Guess what her name was? Blue, yeah, yeah, so there you go. Um, you caught on pretty quick. <laughs> That's who you got up here, okay? Um, but Red was a great dog. He was my dog. He became my dog over time, a good cow dog. He worked the cows. He'd get them out of the field. But I'll never forget, Red was just probably, I, I don't even know, maybe a year old. And we lived on a road, and 
we quickly realized that Red had a taste for, for the pursuit of things. Okay, he loved to chase, specifically cars, okay? Um, and I'll never forget the first time that I saw him chase a car. We were driving down the road, we're in the ditch, going to check cows, and here comes this old farm truck, not going very fast. And I look up and Red is darted out in the road to chase this truck. And y'all, let me just tell you, he caught that truck, the whole front bumper, boom, right on his face. Teeth go flying out of his head. He whips around, hits the ground. I'm like, my dog's dead. He jumps up, shakes it off, and starts running down the road again, okay? Here's, here's why I tell you this story. One, he, I don't know how many times that dog got hit by cars. Often, weekly, nearly. But I wanna tell you this, he was gazing upon the wrong thing, okay? And it cost him a mouthful of teeth, eventually cost him an eye, cost him a leg. I had a three-legged, one-eyed dog growing up. And it's because he gazed upon the wrong thing. He was always just gazing on the car or the pursuit. I think he really just enjoyed the pursuit. But it cost him his health. It cost him his body and sadly, eventually his life. Like, that's just what happened. He gazed upon the wrong thing and it influenced his health, although it was entertaining to watch. But here's the thing, church, I tell you that because we're really no different. When we fix our gaze upon things that aren't right, that aren't kingdom focused, that aren't healthy, all of a sudden it starts to change who we are and we just look foolish. And Jesus says, how dark is that darkness? Because you're gazing upon things that are negatively influencing your spiritual health. You're not looking to the king. You're not looking to the savior. You're not looking to eternity. You're thinking about the temporary and oh, how much can I get and, and fix on this side of heaven? And God says, your gaze is making you sick. The statement, an evil eye, a dark eye was used among the ancient Jews and it was talking about an envious and covetous man or woman who, who had all these, these riches and loved his riches but never once gave back to charity for God's sake. And there was darkness. And church, I think we can all agree for those of us who have practiced generosity, there is light in life that comes from being generous and open-handed with the things that God's given us. Man, there's joy in giving. There may be suffering and pain in the moment, in the initial gift, that that's not something that's a discipline to you, but there is joy in life and light to be, to be received and we are open-handed with the things that God has given us. But yet the opposite is true with selfish, selfishness and greed brings about darkness. And not just darkness inside of you, but that's a darkness that starts to spread into your relationships, into your family, into your children, into the way that we do business with greed and selfishness. And Jesus says, how dark and how deep is that darkness? And so Christ is calling us here to be a whole, a person with a whole person generosity. He wants us to live a life of whole person generosity, one that stems from the light in our lives, which is coming from realizing and looking to the Father and looking to the kingdom of God, being intentional and focused about furthering the kingdom of God with the possessions that he's given us. That changes who we are inwardly, then all of a sudden it starts to change the things that we do outwardly. Colossians 3 says this, Paul writes this, so if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Healthy gaze, leads to a healthy life, and the opposite's true. Look at Proverbs, um, Proverbs chapter uh, 23. Look what Solomon writes here. He says, don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop, kind of like what Jesus said. 
As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Stop. He says, stop looking at just the temporary and just trying to get rich for the sake of riches because eventually it grows wings and flies off or gets taken from you or gets destroyed or you die and it stays behind. Church, Jesus is calling us to not just be nearsighted and self-focused, but to have an eternal mindset and be eternal focused, able to see, man, there's more to come. There's more to come. That's, that's one way that we are separated from the world is that we know there is more to come. There's a kingdom of God, a heaven waiting for us, and the things that we do now, man, can, can impact what's to come. What a great investment to practice whole person generosity while looking upon the Lord. Third point is this, look at verse 24. Jesus tells us, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, he just gets right to it. I'm talking about God and money. He says, I'm talking about God and possession. Some of your versions may say mammon, just meaning even the things that money can buy. I'm talking about God and money. The third point is this, that we can only serve one master. Church, we, only, we can only serve one. We've only got the capacity and the ability to serve one master. We may fool ourselves into thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good serving two, pa- two, two masters. This isn't like working two jobs or you have two employers. Um, that's different. Uh, in the sense of slavery, you, you are owned by one master. You belong to one master. Everything that you have and that you are, your entire being belongs to that one master. And Jesus is saying, look, you were designed, we are designed to have some authority in our lives. We're designed to place ourselves under authority. That's how God wired us. And he says, let me be that authority. Let me be that master. So Jesus reminds us here that you can only serve one. You're either going to submit to the lordship of Christ or to the lordship of the created. That's really your only two options, to the lordship of Christ or to the lordship of the created. And the problem with submitting to the lordship of the created is, is, is when, you, when you worship and serve and make money a master or possessions a master, I mean, that's all stuff that you've accumulated, that you, you've done. And so now you've got some pride about, look what I have done, look what I have accomplished. And so now you are literally just serving yourself. And as hard as we may try to serve two masters and, and maybe we give God lip service, but we do this or we check off the boxes that I did this, read my Bible, prayed. I mean, I even fasted, look at me, wait, no, don't. Um, and then it's like, but I'm still a master to my possessions. Our unchanging God, our faithful God, our good God, our loving God, our gracious God has called us to make him our sole master, to have no other idols in our lives. And look, this is a theme all throughout scripture, church. So if you're struggling like, yeah, God's not my master, please, there is hope. There is hope. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 20. This is the Ten Commandments. Look at, look at what um, Exodus chapter 20, verses three through five. Look at what the, the Ten Commandments say. Oh, there we go. Do not have other gods besides me. God says, don't make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Do not have other gods besides me and don't make an idol for yourself. Worship me alone. Look, 
something that powerful about that verse that's also a little gut-wrenching is this. There's generational consequences to the way that we worship and who we make our master. There's generational consequences to who we serve and make our master. Look at what um, Isaiah chapter 42, verse eight says. Isaiah says this, um, God speaking through him, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. So church, what I love about this is God tells us, look, I am the Lord, that's who I am, that's my name, that's enough. Let me be your master. He says, my glory, my praise, my honor, will go to nothing and no one else. No matter what you try to set up as a God in your life, a little G God or idol in your life, it will not get the praise, it will not get the glory. You are wasting your time. I am the Lord. You shall have no other gods before me. And we're gonna sacrifice. When something's a master, we're gonna sacrifice for our master, for our idol. We're gonna sacrifice for either God or our possessions. We're gonna serve faithfully and sacrificially either God or our possessions. We're gonna give ourselves for what? God or our possessions. And so I think we've gotta, again, take a step back and reflect on this and recognize, man, what does my life say right now? What am I leveraging for, for the temporary or for the eternal? Because the reality of it is, Jesus says you will either be devoted to or despise one. And so if you're serving money, then according to what our Savior says, you are despising God. But if you're devoted to the Lord, he's your master, then you're despising money, which sounds weird, but is honestly a great place to be because that means it has no control and no hold on you. And now you can focus on leveraging it for eternity. Money is meant to be an opportunity. It's not meant to be your owner. So as we wrap up this morning, I, I think there's, there's two responses here. One is many, some of us in this room this morning may not even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We may not even claim to be a disciple, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, never placed our faith in him. And so the reality is, if he has not become your Lord and your master yet in the sense of saving you from your sin, then he, he can't be your treasure. And so if that's you and you say, Matt, I, I don't belong to Jesus, I'm just here checking this church thing out, but I, I think I need to have a relationship with him. We would love to talk to you in the welcome space after worship this morning. Right out here, right behind this wall, there's a welcome space, I'll be there with some other folks. We'd love to talk to you about, man, what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? How do you do that? because he, he died on the cross for your sins and he rose from the dead to say, look, I am Lord, I can give you life. And then for those of us who do have a relationship with Christ, I think we've gotta take some time to reflect and audit our lifestyle and our heart. Where do we line up? What do we value most? Who is my master? Truly, who is my master? It's one thing to sing his name and sing his song, it's another to actually make him your master. This is a challenging teach this is, this is a hard one to, to reflect on and think about and we can get distracted and step away. Man, that was, that was an okay sermon, let's keep going. But I really wanna encourage you, Keystone, take some time to see because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the way that you challenge us, that you don't want us just to live in a, 
in a world that, um, God, that pushes materialism and, and, and selfishness, God, and, and, and possessions. But God, you want us to do better, that you, you want us to live in a place that uh, we can actually have an impact on the things to come. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we praise you for your love and your grace in our lives. And God, be with us as we take some time to reflect this week and as we come across some things that may be challenging and hard to see or hard to swallow, God, help us to be faithful to, to take the, the appropriate steps. We love you, it's in Christ, my prayer.